It's time for this week's Serve Pro Prep Football Confidential Show here on News Talk 1493 FM and Light Rock 97.5. It's brought to you by Serve Pro of Champaign Urbana, providing damage restoration and cleaning from water, fire, mold, and storms. Serve Pro, make it like it never even happened. Tonight's in-depth look at area high school football is also powered by the Fighting Illini Army ROTC at the University of Illinois, forging strong leaders since 1868. Now, here is your host, Colin Likas. Thank you, Gene Honda. I know you can't actually hear me, but thank you anyway. Welcome, everybody, to the Serve Pro Prep Football Confidential Radio Show, the first one of the 2022 season. Powered by U of I Army ROTC. Thank you to both of our sponsors, Servpro and the U of I Army ROTC, for helping us with this show, getting it off the ground for yet another season. I am Colin Likas, joined by Joey Wright, who will be manning the soundboard and also providing some commentary and thoughts throughout the course of the show. We are with you for the next hour here from downtown Champaign, and we've got a loaded lineup following week one of the high school football season, which of course was last week, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Going to be joined soon by Tuscola coach Andy Romine, as well as later on in the show, Centennial coach Kyle Jackson, Danville coach Marcus Forrest, and a trio of St. Joseph Ogden football players, Aiden Moberg, Jack Stetterdahl, and Aiden McCorkle. It'll be our second time with the St. Joseph Ogden football team today after Joey Wright and sports editor Matt Daniels did a little podcast with some of the other Spartans earlier this afternoon, and you can head to news-gazette.com tomorrow morning to see the results of that. Joey, how you doing? Doing great. Good to be here. Welcome to the show. First time. First time uh, in a while, maybe ever, Jim Rosso is not part of this show. If anybody misses him, go ahead and call <laughs> in, and we will uh, make sure he comes out of his office and gets on the air at some point. But if you really enjoyed our first-ever News Gazette Game of the Week last week, which we did from Memorial Field in Tuscola, Tuscola taking down Arcola 30-13. to If you enjoyed that, you're going to enjoy this because it's Joey and I once again. We've got that chemistry built up. You know, Friday mm-hmm. was good for that, and now we're ready to just get after it. That's right. It's a little bit of a different vibe, of course. We're just going to, for those of you who are new to this show, just going to spend basically the better part of an hour talking high school football. Uh, in this case, that means recapping week one, looking ahead to week two. We've got plenty of rankings to talk about, including our top ten that will appear in Thursday's News Gazette. Might also get to the Associated Press rankings as well, which tend to be a little different than what we've got in the News Gazette's print pages. But let's not waste any further time here. Go ahead and jump to our first guest, as I mentioned before, Tuscola coach Andy Romine. His team coming off a victory against Arcola last weekend, 30-13 to in Tuscola. It's the 15th consecutive victory in the Cola Wars series for the Warriors. Andy, thanks so much for being part of our show this evening. Hey, thanks for thanks for having me. Hey, uh, I want to make sure you guys can hear me. I'm on my watch. I left my phone in my classroom. Can you guys hear me? Oh, we can hear you just fine, Andy. You can hear us okay? Uh, fantastically. Thanks for having me. <laughs> of course. that's uh, That might be a first, somebody on their watch for the show. I, I'm going to have to check in with, <laughs> with some of our past episodes and see. But... <laughs> Uh, yeah, as I said at the top, uh, you guys coming off a big win against Arcola, and I don't know how much you really look into Associated Press rankings, but you guys have checked in at uh, number 8 in Class 1A just a few hours ago. Uh, you mentioned to the guys in the postgame huddle on Friday, you're under the radar right now, but I don't know that it's going to stay that way for long. How are you feeling about this group of guys right now as far as you know, maybe being under the radar or on the radar, above the radar, whatever you want to call it? Well, I just hope we're trending in the right direction and getting better. We've had two really good practices this week. You know, you get uh, 
get off to a decent start against Arcola. And the, the good thing about it was, Colin, when you when you uh, when you watch film, you, you feel like you played okay. We did some things well. We looked sharp at times, but there's still so much we can improve on, and that's obviously been the focus this week. So, uh, you know, we don't really look at any of that stuff. Um, I just know we haven't obviously flown under the radar very often over the years. <laughs> So if there's an occasion where we feel like we might be, we're going to try to take advantage of that. Andy, you know, starting off with Arcola, uh, such a great game, obviously, the, the historical nature of the rivalry, but just being out there on Friday night, so many people there, uh, crowd numbered in the thousands. You come out, you get that big 30-13 to 13 win and make a statement. But what's it like to play in that playoff kind of atmosphere, you know, just right out of the gates? Well, that's the goal. I mean, eventually you want to be in those types of games. Uh, you know, that, that's a big game for our county because football is so important to both communities. And we've got a ton of respect for our COLA and the tradition of our COLA football. And obviously it hasn't let up, uh, you know, since Coach Lindsay's been there for a handful of years now. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think you, you, you want to be in some games where there's some emotion to it. You want to be in some games that mean something. Um, and, and that one does to us. And to open up with it and kick off with it's really good. And obviously to play in front of a crowd. Uh, you're going to get that eventually, you hope, in the playoffs. And so, um, you know, it's nice to kind of start the year off that way. And then fortunately we were able to, you know, score more points and come out with a win. So happy happy the way it started. Talking about the emotional side of it, Andy, it always does feel, though, in games like that, whoever keeps their emotions in check better is going to win the game most likely. And admittedly, there were penalties on both sides. It's kind of a week one thing that you kind of expect guys working through different things. But on the whole, I would say, and you can agree or disagree, that your guys handled the emotions of that game pretty well. Yeah, I mean, we didn't, you know, our penalty number, Colin, wasn't super high. We, we weren't too disappointed with it. And, and really more than the number, we want to look at what kind of penalties. You know, we had some aggressive penalties down the field. Um, where we're, we're, we're just fighting and battling on stock blocks or something that got away from us. We just didn't have a lot of mental error penalties. Um, we, you know, we had a couple of uh, offsides, but you know, we, were, we were pretty disciplined in, in a lot of situations. And so I think that's kind of where the emotional, the emotional side of the game will check into is how penalized you are pre-snap and things like that. And we seem pretty solid from that standpoint. So, uh, yeah, I thought our kids handled the emotion well. Um, and, um, you know, like, looking forward to week two we did not handle going to cumberland well on a saturday last year uh i told the kids it's the it's the uh worst loss we've had here in two decades and i really believe that and i think our kids are, are buying into that this week and and we're looking to try to make a statement again friday cumberland's got a nice team talking with Tuscola football coach andy romine and absolutely we'll dive into that cumberland matchup here in just a bit looking back at some of the guys who made an impact for you guys last week though and who you would expect to continue to make an impact as we move forward in this season we talked plenty about jordan quinn the quarterback a junior quarterback after uh, last week's game was a standout not only running the ball with a, his big six foot three frame but also throwing the ball really impressive uh, two guys who maybe didn't take as much of the spotlight as a result were your guys who were running the ball alongside him, behind him, what have you, Ben Hornaday and Nate Thomason. Uh, both of those guys, I mean, that one-two combination that they provide, Jalen was or Jordan was hard to bring down, but those two as well just seem like when they get ahead of steam, they are going to be difficult to stop for you guys. Yeah, I mean, I thought our, we were really pleased with our offensive line. We thought our offensive line kind of asserted their dominance early and. And, uh, you know, what, what we tell them is we'll try to scheme our way and get an extra hat and get them into the second level. And from there, we needed, to, we needed them to make plays. 
Uh, I thought they did a pretty good job of that when they got to the second level Friday night. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that's one of the areas of our team, Colin, that quite frankly is pretty untested. Neither one of those guys have played a lot of varsity football out of the backfield. We've had a two-year starter there um, and who graduated, and, and uh, I think they passed the test in week one for sure. And, and Colin mentioned getting to that matchup against Cumberland. You know, how does that feed into kind of getting a measure of revenge? What are some keys to victory on – uh, you, you know, playing against Cumberland, and, and you know, how do you think you guys get the job done? Well, you know, our uh, to be honest with you, our, our I didn't think our emotional level. You talked about emotions. I didn't think we were emotionally ready to go when we got off the bus there. It was on a Saturday, a rainy Saturday, um, and and so we've obviously got to be emotionally ready to go. And I'll tell you this, we weren't ready to go. We the walkthrough on Friday night, we kicked our kids out of practice. We were not focused. Uh, the hope was that that would wake them up, and it, but it but it carried over into Saturday, um, you know. And sometimes it takes a little bit of that to get a lesson learned. Uh, and I'm I'm hoping our kids respond. I think they will. Um, from a game type standpoint, we did not do a great job in our perimeter run fits last year. Our perimeter run fits struggled. Um, they did a good job of getting the ball to the edge, and we'd stick our head into the wrong run fit, and they had kids that could make us pay. So. You know, today's kind of our big defensive day. Uh, Practice-wise, we spent a lot of time on our perimeter run-fit action, um, and, and uh, we're going to be better from that aspect, uh, we hope, on Friday night. You mentioned defensively. That was something you guys did really well against Arcola on Friday night, especially in the second half. I don't have it in front of me, but going off memory, I want to say Arcola's first three drives of the second half started at their own 5, their own 11, and their own 12, and then their fourth drive, I think, was a touchback, so at their own 20, and they could never really grapple forwards, maybe put some something together you know, towards the end of the third quarter, start of the fourth, but by and large, I mean, that second half was all Tuscola Warriors you know what is what what carries over from week to week? You know, I imagine liking what you saw against uh, against the Purple yeah. Riders. So you're always going to have some mistakes, especially early in the year, right? But like the one thing that I want to make sure that continues to carry over is we played really hard. Um, in, in the first half, you know, when we cut, thought we could have maybe got the game out of hand, they kept the ball away from us in the second quarter for about for about nine and a half of the twelve minutes of the second quarter. We didn't have the ball. And, uh, and the, the big thing about that was we missed some alignment checks based off their formations. And, and Coach Lindsay, I said, did such a great job of keeping the ball from us. He did some formational things uh, that kind of threw us off balance a little bit. We didn't do a good job um, with that. And, uh, and so that's kind of been an, a focus. We did a much better job of that in the second half after we got our kids calmed down at halftime. But you're right, the, the field position was the key uh, really in the whole game. Uh, we had a lot shorter fields to play on than they did. It seemed like when we got the ball, we're near four-down territory already. Uh, and when they got the ball, if we could get them in some third-down and longs uh, and dial up some pressure, we felt like we were going to be in good shape. So the, the field position was certainly a big factor. Andy Romine, Tuscola football coach. And, Andy, before we let you go, you mentioned how pleased you were with the offensive line of this team on Friday. And I actually have a little bit of a surprise for you. We've debuted, or we are debuting, a new award we're going to be giving out each week on this program, going to be recognizing an offensive line of the week uh, sponsored by the U of I Army ROTC. And we have chosen the Tuscola offensive line to lead off this, this award. So congratulations. Hey, I, I really appreciate that. I know our guys are going to appreciate that. We we do a lot around here to try to recognize our offensive line play. 
And, uh, you know, we've been so blessed with athletes over the years, but, you know, the, the one thing that we've been able to do pretty consistently is develop some offensive linemen in the weight room and through a whole bunch of hard work on their part. It's 100% credit to them, and you're right. They don't get a ton of credit, so we're going to celebrate that up pretty good with them, and I know our kids would be pretty honored, so thanks for doing it. Absolutely, and uh, I'm going to have some details for you, Andy, about uh, something we're going to do for the guys uh, to, to recognize them officially with the U of I ROTC, but wanted to let you know that on the air and, and make it official. So, yeah, go tell the guys, and uh, hopefully they, they appreciate it leading into the Cumberland game. Oh, it's so cool, man. I, I think that's awesome, and we really appreciate it, and I think our kids are deserving of it. Thank you. Absolutely. I, I agree 100%. Andy Roma and Tuscola Football. Andy, thanks again, and good luck against the Pirates on Friday. Hey, thanks a lot, and I want to thank uh, you guys for covering the game. I've had a lot of great feedback on, on your guys' coverage of the game, and it was awesome to have you guys. Thanks again. Absolutely. I appreciate that, Andy. It means a lot. Talk well, thanks, to you guys Coach. Soon. Yep, see, see you soon, Andy. Yeah, we've uh, we've heard some good feedback as well, and uh, we're glad about that. Unfortunately, no game of the week this week. Uh, Illinois football tends to take precedence over high school, and we totally understand that. But we will be back. Be ugh, we will be <laughs> back in week three uh, with Arthur Lovington at Wood Hammond at Villa Grove. But we will talk a little bit more about that on next week's show. Let's go ahead and take our first break of this week's show. When we come back, going to be joined by. Center, I'm sorry, by Danville coach Marcus Forrest, along with other guests. This is the Serve Pro Prep Football Confidential, powered by U of I Army ROTC. This week's Serve Pro of Champaign and Vermillion County High School Prep Football Confidential continues now on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM and Light Rock 97.5, powered by the Fighting Illini Army ROTC at the University of Illinois. It is 6-16 here in Champaign. Welcome back to the Serve Pro Prep Football Confidential Show, powered by U of I Army ROTC. I'm Colin Likas, joined by Joey Wright. First show of the season. Thank you all for taking the time to join us and hear a little bit about high school football in central Illinois. Well, we got a packed show, as I mentioned at the top, so let's not waste any time. Let's go ahead and get on with our next guest here. We started off with Tuscola football. We're going to be going to a slightly larger school now for our second guest of the evening. It's Danville High School, specifically Vikings coach Marcus Forrest, whose team is coming off a 21-12 win over Belleville West in Week 1. Good quality start for the Vikings. Marcus, thank you so much for being part of our show this evening. Yeah, I appreciate it. Absolutely. And first of all, just the, the uniqueness of an opponent like Belleville West. Obviously, Danville and Belleville are not exactly close together on the map of Illinois. I'm sure that was a heck of a trek for Belleville to make on a Friday night. Uh, how do you prepare for a game such as that to start off the season? You're used to playing tough opponents in the Big 12 Conference, but just to play an opponent from the St. Louis area, what was the preparation like, and how did you like the way the guys executed? It was It was different. Um, just it was a different experience overall, which is what we wanted. You know, it was a opponent we'd never seen, wasn't sure what they were going to do, didn't ever have much tape on them, which for us gave us an opportunity to really focus on us and the things that we wanted to do. So, uh, you know, it was it was unique in that aspect as far as we really got a chance just to focus on what are we going to do, you know, how do we get better at what we do, and how do we prepare for many different things? You know, and because in our, you know, in the Big 12, we have a lot of different offenses, a lot of different defenses that we face. So they kind of gave us an opportunity to prepare for everything before coming out and really getting started. 
talking about distances, obviously it's it's no walk down the street from Peoria to Danville. That that bus ride in itself is just over two hours each way. But coach, you talk a lot, uh, or you talk about a lot of different offenses in the Big Twelve. When I think Peoria Lions football, I think track meet. I think you know getting up and down the field, no huddle, you know catch your breath when you can. So what did you take away from Week One that maybe you apply to a, an up tempo, you know, quick moving Peoria team that that will just you know march up and down the field seemingly at will? Well, we we got to depend more on uh, experience from last year uh, more than anything because one thing they are is aggressive and they're attacking both offensively and defensively. So really, no matter how you look at it, they're going to be coming to, coming at you in a way that you really have not seen. Um, what I got from last week was just uh, the size and the aggressiveness that we were able to play with and even against with Belleville because they had pretty nice-sized kids. Uh, but that athleticism that they had will probably be doubled in certain areas. The physicality that they had will definitely be doubled. And like, the, like you said, the up-tempo play that they have and the aggressiveness that they play with offensively, defensively, and even the special team-wise because they're – putting you in a position where they're putting pressure on you with hopes of getting you to turn the ball over. So with doing and, and going through all of that, it's not a lot that can kind of really truly prepare you for that. But, um, you know, the experience from last year gives us a, a chance to say, all right, this is what's going to be coming after you. Um, and for us, it kind of helps that, you know, we were able to play with them for a little while. Um, you know, we had a bad quarter, and that's all you need, you know, which also gives them – an idea of no matter how close it can be, we were at 22-20. And just like that, it went from 36 to 22. And it just takes one bad play. And they look for that one bad play to get a snowballing. So um, just the physicality we take from last week, but then understanding that if we don't play aggressive, they're going to get going, they're going to put their foot on the gas, and they're not going to stop until the game is over. Talking with Danville football coach Marcus Forrest and talking about aggression and Peoria, your next opponent, wanting to force takeaways. I mean, you guys did a pretty fantastic job on the defensive side against Belleville West, allowing only 12 points. You rack up a safety on the defensive side as well. Um, we know you got to score points to win games, but the old saying goes defense wins championships. Who were some of the guys on the defensive side of the ball who really stood out to you for your team against Belleville? You know, last week, one of you know, Phil Shaw, uh, at middle linebacker, you know, he kind of showed his growth and maturity from a year ago to this year, going from a, a backup and sometimes starter to a, you know, full-time starter. And the way he, he flew around, he came down, he making tackles. And he was in a correct space and, and had a, really the, the, a great opportunity where he, he missed the interception on one play, but then he was there and was able to take advantage and get an interception two plays later. So he really was something that we were really happy with. Um, and also D'Angelo Tyler, who was you know, a defensive tackle for us. Uh, just him being able to come off the ball, be aggressive, be physical. Uh, he was able to disrupt a lot of the plays that they had, and he was the one who actually caused the interception that Phil Shaw was able to get. So just those, those two really stood out for what we were doing. And, uh, you know, Tommy Harris was a kid who came down, he made tackles, he got the safety. And it was the aggressiveness that they'd learned from last year. And one of the things we kind of preached and talked about this past summer up to now is being aggressive. You know, if the ball is in the air, try to go get it. Um, if they're coming at you, try to meet them where they're at. Don't wait for it to come to you. Anytime you wait, nothing good is going to happen from that. <laughs> but if you go after it, 
you know, you got a chance to make something happen. And that's one of the things I was really proud of as a whole, um, that they were able to kind of put pressure in different places and make things happen, especially when they really uh, flew around. You know, as as opposed to that, we gave up the ball eight, we fumbled eight times. So, you know, to be able to, you know, still get, you know, 21 points uh, based off of, you know, the way we were playing because we gave up simple fumbles that we hadn't done all preseason and that we characteristically characteristically don't do. So they gave us, you know, more of an actual learning tool to say, all right, if you don't do these fundamental things, that's actually going to stop you from drives. And that killed us quite a few times last week. So we've been able to focus on that, and we can get a better understanding of if we if we take care of the ball, we give ourselves the kind of a chance to control the clock, and we get ourselves a chance to not only move the ball but give the defense a rest. And they'll need it this week because you know the Peoria will they will score fast, they will have you running, they put pressure on you, and they say no, they got you on defense again. So it's going to be important for us to be able to control it as much as we can and keep drives going as much as we can without turnovers to give ourselves a chance to play well. And then highlighting one more guy, you mentioned uh, Tommy Harris Jr. with the safety. Had a seven-yard touchdown run to close the scoring for you guys in that game against Belleville West. Bryson Perez Hinton also had a 17-yard touchdown run. But the guy I wanted to get you to talk about, Marcus, was uh, Javon Robinson. I know he goes by Diddy in some circles. 42-yard touchdown run. He really impressed Javon did during his freshman season last year as a basketball player. Uh, It just seems like he's bringing that uh, innate athleticism onto the football field now as well. He does. He's he's really an athletic kid, and when you you know if you meet him and you talk to him, he he seems so unassuming to where you wouldn't know if he's really if he really cares about what he does. And that's whether he's on the football field, whether he's playing basketball, he even ran track this spring. Um, so whatever he's doing, he's he just is unassuming in his mannerism, but he's extremely competitive. Um, and you know, even for us, it took me a while to figure out, like, man, do you really want to do this? I've talked to you. Say, hey, do you want to do this? He's like, yeah. You want to do that? No. I'll, I'll play. But it's it's more or less he's he's a really good kid. Um, he's a really good student. And because of how he raised, he's not really going to be combative in anything. But when he gets out and he's got a chance to play, he's able to make plays. You know, early on, he, he almost pressed too much, and he dropped a, a interception that was right in his hands. But we're also happy that he was in position to be able to do it. And he played, he came down on tackles and, and really pushed it defensively. And offensively, he's someone that I know uh, he brings a different dimension for us uh, you know, as a quarterback when he's out there or also as a receiver because we start putting him out as a receiver also. You know, he can really make plays, and he's just you know a natural athlete. So we're trying to not really put a lot of pressure on him yet but at the same time work him in a lot of different areas and utilize all the you know abilities that he has because he's an extremely good athlete and he's faster than you would believe he is even with you know with a 42 yard run he had which for me showed that you know one he was able to get faster by running track and also last year he had a couple runs in games so um, he's somebody I'm extremely happy about proud of and just seeing his growth because now he's even verbalizing the things that he wants to do you know it was a struggle getting him to say anything so you have a quarterback that doesn't talk that's always going to be a problem but you know he's starting to get a little louder be able to take control of different things and then defensively he's actually communicating which all just translates over for him in the basketball because he's going to be a leader on that team this year so they need him communicate um he's just 
someone we've been extremely excited about. And for me, I'm I'm just happy to to see the growth he's shown already. Excited to see how he does not only this season but the next few seasons. You you mentioned his offensive abilities. How about his brother Chucky Robinson's offensive abilities? Now playing for the Cincinnati Reds as a catcher and a home run the other day and. Uh, you know, Danville High School alum, of course, Chucky Robinson in his own right, class of 2012. Uh, what does it do for his brother and, and even for the whole program to see a guy like that having success? Obviously a different sport, but obviously success at the highest level of that sport. You know, one of the one of the preeminent uh, stages in, in North American sports Chucky Robinson's enjoying right now. Yeah. Well, Javon, I think, is a cousin of Chucky. But because Caleb Robinson is Chucky's brother, and Caleb is the one who plays running back and plays linebacker for us, who also he did well also. Um, but they, he, uh, you know, Chucky Caleb was asked this practice that day to go with his mom to go to the game. So not only you know does he have a brother that he made it to the big leagues and has had a chance to start and play, he got a chance to actually go there and witness it. Not only wasn't witnessing playing, but he said witness him hitting the home run in the biggest of stages. At a time that you know was, he was extremely proud because before he even came home, he was texting coach. You see my brother, you know, which for me it really is a great thing because not only is he having an opportunity now to play with us and grow and mature in his own areas and branch out, but he's still extremely proud of his brother uh, to be able to get into the big leagues, to be able to be with the Reds, and he's somebody that's persevered, you know, through a through a path of. You know, being with the with the Houston Astros organization, being now you know with the Reds organization, and he's just stayed consistent, and he's kind of pushed and persevered through a lot of different different things, and he stayed focused on what he wanted to do. So now that I, when that opportunity came, he he was ready for it, and you know he had a couple games where he you know he was able to he was able to get a single and score on the you know from first base, which I told him I kind of. You know, I text him and say, man, if you if you could have ran like that when you were in high school, we could have played you a tight end or something <laughs> you know, to to utilize the athletic ability. But you know, if we are not not only as a as a town, but you know, I know as a family for them, they're extremely extremely proud of him and what he's been able to do. And it's even you know vice versa to watch him be so supportive of his brother Caleb, and he's as much as we can kind of mentor him, talk to him, try to get him in the right direction. You know, and he has a family that always looks over him, but his brother is the one who really gets him focused as far as not following in his path and coming out of his shadow and then kind of trailblazing his own path. You know, he's one of his biggest supporters. So it's, it's fun and really neat to see how they kind of support each other. Marcus Forrest, Danville football coach, talking about Chucky Robinson, who, of course, Danville alum now in Major League Baseball. But as for Marcus's Vikings, you can catch them at home on Friday against Peoria in a Big 12 conference action. Marcus, thanks again for making some time to chat with us, and good luck against the Lions on Friday. Yeah, you know, anytime, and I appreciate the opportunity. So y'all have a good weekend, and hopefully we'll be able to talk about a good game on Friday. <laughs> Sounds like a plan, Marcus. Looking forward to it. Right. Thanks, thanks again. Coach. All right. Yeah, have a good one. Yeah, you Bye-bye. too. Well, let's go ahead and take our second break here of the Serve Pro Prep Football Confidential powered by U of I Army ROTC. When we come back, we are going to stick with our Big 12 theme and talk with another local Big 12 team that picked up a win in Week 1, that being the Centennial Chargers. We'll hear from Chargers coach Kyle Jackson. 
You're listening to the Surf Pro of Champaign and Vermillion County High School Prep Football Confidential Show on News Talk 1400 and 93.9 FM and Light Rock 97.5. Powered by the Fighting Illini Army ROTC at the University of Illinois. And it is 6.32. Welcome back to the show. I'm Paul Likens, joined by Joey Wright. Thanks again to Coach Marcus Forrest and earlier on Coach Andy Romine for joining us and representing Danville and Tuscola, respectively, here on our first show of the 2022 season. Stick around. We still got our top 10 to unveil from 10 to 1. You'll see it in Thursday's News Gazette as well. Some explanation in print on why those teams are ranked where they were. Uh, but we will dive into that also later on in this show. One team who I will, spoiler alert, let you know is in the top ten this week, Centennial. We are going to hear from their head coach now, that being Kyle Jackson. His Chargers coming off a pretty rousing win in week one. They went to Proviso East, picked up a 47-22 victory in non-conference play, and we're joined now by Kyle on the show. Kyle, thanks so much for being part of this this evening. Yeah, thanks for having me, Colin. appreciate it. And we just uh, got off the phone with Marcus Forrest over at Danville, who had a uh, team come from the St. Louis area to visit Danville last week. You, kind of the inverse, not not quite to St. Louis, but you guys making a bit of a lengthy trip to uh, Maywood, Illinois, to face a Proviso oh, yeah. East team that I imagine you knew very little about before this season. Uh, what was that whole experience like for your guys, beyond obviously just winning on the field? What was that whole experience like? Um, well, it was good. You know, overall it was good. Um, you know, always nice to, to get a victory, especially if you've got to travel for it. Um, but it started with a very, very long bus ride. Mm-hmm. Uh, it ended up taking us about three and a half hours to get there between construction and traffic along the way. So uh, long bus side to start the trip wasn't necessarily ideal, uh, but we did a real nice job of, of getting on the, off the bus despite the longer trip than we had expected. Um, had to kind of truncate our, our pregame stuff and our warm-ups uh, a little bit. Um, but we did a nice job of handling that adversity and got off the bus, um, got got the guys something to eat real quick, and then got to warming up, got our focus. We, we were we were really, really fired up for the game. Um, you know, I, we got there, and it was I could feel right off the bat these, these guys were ready to play. Um, and the rest of the night went pretty well. We, we, we played the game we thought we could play. Like you said, we, we, we didn't know a whole lot about them. We, we got film from YouTube, actually, and then kind of reached out to um, some other teams in their conference, and we were able to get film from their first week last year and film from their sixth week. So we had a, a, somewhat of an idea of what we thought they were going to do. Um, they didn't necessarily come out and do everything we thought we were going to do, so we had to make some adjustments and that sort of thing. Um, but all in all, like I said, we, we, we played a good physical game, um, had some fun, and, and came home with a W, which, which we enjoyed. 47-22, uh, on paper, a comfortable margin of victory. Did it play that way? I mean, you know, what did you see from your guys that you liked, and, and specifically what are some of those things you think you did well? Yeah, we were, um, we were up 35 nothing at half, so, so it, it, was, it was a pretty comfortable margin. Um, offensively, um, we moved the ball well. We, we, we ran the ball really, really well. Um, and, and our uh, Brandon tailback, or I'm sorry, Brandon Harvey, our starting tailback, um, had 150 plus yards rushing um, on 12 carries. Uh, so pretty good number for for not that many carries. And and you know it was one of those situations where we got him out and kind of called the dogs off. But had we left him in, we he probably could have had 300 yards on the night um, if, if we'd let him keep going. Um, so did a really nice job offensively, defensively. 
Um, pitched a shutout. Uh, those 14 points uh, came against, well, our offense actually the second half fumbled the ball, and they returned it for a score. Um, so made a little bit of a mistake there. Uh, and then when we started subbing was, was when they scored the second um, the second touchdown. So uh, our first team defense pitched a shutout. Um, offense, you know, winning at a half up, 35 nothing. Um, we, we played a pretty good, pretty complete ball game um, against those guys. And now you guys are back at home, you know, nice and comfortable in, in, in Champaign this week. But an opponent that, you know, kind of keeping an eye on the Big 12, I'm, I'm not sure anyone in this conference can get too comfortable playing, and that's the Manuel Rams out of Peoria. Last week they lost to PND 40-38 to the final there, but yep. that was a close game throughout. I know their quarterback, Landon Tolliver, had a, a tremendous performance. I think at one point he threw mm-hmm. three touchdowns on three straight passes in the third yep. quarter, so so lucky number three. But, you know, what do you see in the Rams this week? Because it, 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 it definitely looks like they're not the, the Rams team of old. I, I would 100% agree, and that's something we've been talking about with our players all week is, is you know, we try to try to, you know, approach every game with, hey, we don't underestimate anybody. We, we, we don't, you know, we, we don't go in thinking that we got to do anything but play our game the way we know we should should be playing. Um, but that's especially through this week. Uh, true this week. Uh, this this uh, manual team, I, I think, based on what we've seen on film, is better, much better than, than, than previous manual teams. I think they showed it against P&D uh, last Friday or Saturday, whatever day that game happened. Um, they are they are improved uh, from previous years and, and previous manual teams. So we've really been kind of driving that home with our guys this week that, hey, um, these, these, these guys are a good football team. And, and, and again, we got to go into it, not underestimate them, not not think that this is is going to be easy or that this is the same old manual because it's not. Um, and so we've really been trying to drive that message home this week. You know, we we got to you know constantly play our game, right? Whoever we're playing, if we play physical, if we play fast, we we complete our assignments. I trust our teammates to do the same. We we feel like we can we can compete with anybody, but but we can't underestimate anybody either. And I feel like it's an interesting, Kyle, that you you know you mentioned this isn't the same old manual. I feel like last year there were probably some teams that were watching film and ended up saying that about you. This is not the Centennial that went 0-9 and not that long before. <laughs> this is a team that is much improved, and your guys carry themselves like a team that is much improved and that has expectations of being a good team in the Big 12 Conference. To, to know that you've kind of helped foster that turnaround within a program that has some rich tradition, but that had just, you know, fallen on a, a few hard seasons. How proud does that make you as a coach just to see how this has worked out? Oh, it's, it's a great feeling. Um, it's, it's a great feeling just to, to, to have the success that we had last year. And, you know, we've talked a lot about, hey, you know, we can't just ride the coattails of last year. Uh, just because we were good last year doesn't mean we're going to be good this year. We, we, we've got our own work to do. And they've really embraced that. They, they've really um, stepped up to that challenge and, and said, you're right, coach, we, we got to be our own team. We got to be our own crew. Um, and in a lot of ways, I, I think I would argue this team is better than last year's. Um, and that's, a, I, I think, a, a tribute to the work that they've put in um, to our senior class and the leadership that they've provided. Um, we, we, um, we, we lost some studs last year, uh, but I think we, what we've gained uh, in this year to replace those guys is a, a, a team that, 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 you know, we don't have necessarily, you know, a standout like a Jack Young per se. Brandon Harvey is probably that guy for us this year, 
Um, but we, what we do have is a bunch of guys who do their jobs and they play with each other. They love each other. They take care of each other. Um, and they fight for each other on the field. And, and that I think is, uh, is kind of what has, has brought us along. And it's just great to see. It, it's exciting to see the kids have fun and have success. Um, it's exciting to see our, our, our vision from where we started four years ago, really kind of coming to fruition. Um, and, and, you know, that, that the things we do, the things that we've been preaching and teaching, the things, you know, our core values and, and, and everything that we've been talking about to try to rebuild this program is, is working. It's, it, it, it feels good to have that success. And then to cap this off, Kyle, you know, like we just talked at the top, you guys made a long, long trip up to the Chicago area to face Proviso East last week, but now you get Peoria Manual at home, Peoria Richwoods at home, you face Champaign Central as it's listed on the road, obviously, that is <laughs> yeah. that is at home, and then yep. you get Danville at home after that. Yep. It's never easy to play in the Big 12, but just to have this four-game stretch Right when you're trying to still qualify for the playoffs, all of those games being in Champaign, how important is that for your guys? It's awesome. It's it's you know we 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 kind of felt like after last year, our our schedule last year was <laughs> pretty rough, mm-hmm. pretty early, um, and you had you know you had some some games mixed in there where you know we felt like hey we we got to win these games to, to be able to make the playoffs, and we went out and did that. We were kind of hoping to win some of those other tough games along the way. Um, so, so this year, that that first, you know, five games or, 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 you know, the next five games, whatever it is, being at home is, is, is huge for us um, in terms of just, you know, being able to play here at our house in front of our fans, build even more confidence. Um, you know, obviously got one road trip out of the way at the beginning of the year, which was a nice long one, but Nice to be on the at home, and, and, and then you know we can get back to the road and get some road tests at the end of the year. But be a nice little stretch here being at home for us. Kyle Jackson, Centennial football coach. You can catch his team at home at Tommy Stewart Field on Friday against Peoria Manual, 7 p.m. Kyle, thanks again, and good luck against the Rams this week. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Thanks, Coach. Yep. Well, before we take our final break of this show and transition to our last guests of the evening, we've been teasing these top ten throughout the course of the show, and I figure we might as well unveil a portion of it now. We'll save a little <laughs> bit of it for later on in the show, but let's go ahead and start at the bottom and work our way up. Uh, number ten, going to be joined by a few of the athletes from this team here shortly. we got the St. Joseph Ogden Spartans. They are new to the rankings. Uh, they defeated Monticello for the first time in seven years last week, 21-14 on the Sages' home field. Doesn't get any easier in week two because St. Joe's hosting rival Unity over at Dick Duval Field. Our number nine team this week, you heard from Coach Forrest earlier, it's the Danville Vikings. They're also new to our rankings after that win over Belleville West. They can win over Peoria this week. They will certainly surge in our News Gazette rankings. And our number eight team, you also heard from their coach earlier in the show, it's the Tuscola Warriors. They were at number 10 in the rankings last week. They're up to number eight. They will try to keep their stock rising when they host Toledo Cumberland on Friday. And then our number seven team is 0-1 on the season, but still a quality program, the Unity Rockets. They suffered a loss to Prairie Central, the team we will hear more about here shortly. But, uh, yeah, Unity, tough loss for them to start the season. Had to go on the road to Fairbury, not an easy place to play, and graduated a lot of seniors from last year's Class 3A state runner-up. So Unity's going to try and get its footing with a trip to St. Joseph Ogden in Week 2. And then our number 6 and 5 teams both hail from the Vermilion Valley Conference. First off, you got the Salt Fork Storm. 
Salt Fork made pretty easy work of Dwight in Week 1 in a Saturday afternoon game, 48-19. to They will try to have a similar result on Friday night when they visit Moments. And sticking with Vermilion County at number 5, we've got the Bismarck Henning Rossville Alvin Blue Devils. Blue Devils trounced Clifton Central 43-7 to on the road last week. That's a really good win against an opponent that is typically very quality. And uh, Bismarck going to try and keep it going in Week 2 against the aforementioned Dwight team that Salt Fork just beat. You know, when I talked to BHRA before the season started, uh, I, I don't know if head coach Mark Dodd was a huge fan of this, but their players are thinking big picture already. They've had yes. a couple early round playoff stumbles the last couple of years, and talking with that Bismarck Henning, Rossville Alvin team, I, I get the sense that that's a confident bunch. They know what they want, and they want to go far and laying the groundwork for it early on. Yeah, 100%. Those Blue Devils, they, they like Unity, graduated quite a bit from last year's team. Unlike Unity, though, they've been stuck, Bismarck has. Six seasons in a row, <laughs> you lose in the second round of the playoffs. Those guys are sick of it. You know, uh, They probably think you know people are, are laughing at us. People are saying we can't get over the hump. They want to prove to people that they can get over the hump. And this might just be the team to do it, to make an extended run in the Class 2A playoffs. Well, let's go ahead and take our final break here on the Serve Pro Prep Football Confidential Show, powered by U of I Army ROTC. When we come back, we'll be joined by three young men who I can see walking in the front doors of our building right now, representing St. Joseph Ogden football, so stay tuned for that. And welcome back to the Surf Pro Prep Football Confidential Show, powered by U of I Army ROTC. It is 6.47. You've got Joey Wright and I for the remainder of the evening here talking high school football around central Illinois. And we're glad to be joined in studio live by our final guests of the evening, a trio of St. Joseph Ogden football players. We've got Aiden McCorkle. We've got Aiden Moberg. We've got Jack Setterdahl. Guys, I know you just finished practice like a half hour ago, so yeah. thanks for making the quick trip over here. Yeah, of course. No yeah. problem. Aiden McCorkle, I will lead off with you. I think I'm just going to keep doing that, Aiden McCorkle, Aiden Moberg. Otherwise, we're going to get things confused. Uh, Aiden McCorkle, you guys are coming off a major win against mm-hmm. Monticello last week. First time since 2015 St. Joseph Ogden has beaten Monticello. What was the conversation like going into that game? I mean, were you guys as confident as you ended up showing on the field uh, that night? Oh, yeah, we were We were full of confidence. Like We knew as a team we'd put in the work to do it. We'd been putting in the work for months, and we just felt prepared and ready to go. We were excited. Aiden Moberg, what was just the reaction like after the game? I mean, I'm sure the fans that were there at Monticello were going crazy, but for you guys as players, you know, when you're on the field, when you're in the locker room post game, take us through the scenes of how wild that was. Yeah, for sure. It was it was really special because we haven't obviously last year we didn't win in week one, and just honestly just to get that first win out of the way, especially against Monticello, it felt really good. Jack Sutterdahl is going to ask you as well the bus ride home. Then I mean, bus rides home typically when you win are a lot of fun. And I imagine after you beat Monticello for the first time in seven years, you guys had a lot of fun once you're driving, making a relatively short trip back to St. Joe. Yeah, it was absolutely electric. I mean, the locker room after the game was absolutely electric. It was a great time. I was just seeing guys that express emotions you haven't seen in forever, and it just was so much weight off your chest. You just felt like you really did something. Aiden, we'll go back over here to you. This is the third different group of three that we've talked to from your team, (laughs) talked with a couple guys earlier today, and then a separate trio during media days a few weeks ago. And first of all, that's a testament to head coach Sean Skinner. He's he's keeping the, you know, he's he's spreading the wealth. Mm -hmm. But one thing that each trio has proven to me is that you guys are a confident bunch i mean just take me inside the locker room and that swagger you guys are playing with you know kind of that not afraid of anyone mentality 
Um, well, I mean, you know, our mottos this year is earn, not given. So we just come out there with, you know, the attitude that we got to earn this and it's not going to be given to us and we got to put full effort in everything. And that's, that's what we do as a team. Aiden Moberg, obviously a lot of people went into what you guys accomplished at Monticello. You being a receiver for this team, uh, I want to ask you about uh, Ty Pence being part of this program. Uh, I remember Coach Skinner when he told me that Ty was going to be part of the team. You guys all kind of were like, you didn't believe him initially. You're like, no, no, there's no way he's coming out. What What is his addition specifically to the, the receiver room? What does that do for your guys' offense? Yeah, definitely. When he showed up, it was just kind of a different feeling. He's helped us in every way he can and we just couldn't do it without him he's a huge part of our offense and jack he's also a big part of the defense but the defense as a whole i want to talk about what you guys did against monticello 14 points i mean that team has put up 35 40 45 points against st joe for quite a few seasons in a row what was the key in your mind to defensively stifling monticello the way you guys did I think the key was just all the preparation we did. We knew what was coming. I mean, we had been working really hard for Pat for all summer, just looking at him, looking at film, knowing what was coming. And I think that's something that really helped me, especially as a defensive player, and I think our whole defense, was that we just felt comfortable. We felt like we knew what we were doing. We felt like we were ready. Jack, I'll, I'll keep it down there with you. You talk about preparation. We'll get into that aspect of Unity Week here in just a second. But first of all, it is Unity Week, you know, big rivalry. Both towns come out for this one. You want to win it maybe more than any other game on the schedule. Just take me inside that rivalry and what this league, uh, week building up to the game is like at school. Uh, this week there's a lot of uh, excitement, a lot of tension. Kind of, We're all kind of really locking in this week. I mean, practices, we've been going very hard. Uh, film, I know everybody's been watching a lot more than usual. We're kind of really locking in, getting ready for this game. And I think we feel prepared right now, feel comfortable. Aiden McCorkle, just having this game at home, I mean, even if it was at Hicks Field in Tolono, St. Joe would be showing out. We, we all know this. But uh, having this be the home opener with how excited people are after the Monticello game, what sort of atmosphere are you anticipating for this Unity game in Week 2? I mean, I know the St. Joe crowd is going to come out and uh, we're going to see it in full force. And I'm ex- really excited to see it and see everyone cheering. And I, I just know it's going to be fun. And, and they haven't, Unity hasn't been to St. Joe in a long time. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've never played against them at home, so I'm excited. Yeah, the uh, the pandemic probably caused a little bit of a scheduling quirk as far as that goes. I hadn't really thought about that, honestly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aiden Moberg, just to, to talk about the emotions you guys showed after that Monticello game. So obviously there's a level of you want to show the emotions after a win, but now you got to kind of rein that back in because you got to do it all over again against Unity. Uh, how, do you, how do you guys feel you're maybe prepared for, for that after beating Monticello? How prepared are you to kind of rein everything back? in and just go back out there and try to win another big game it's one of those things where obviously we had months to prepare for monticello and now as the season goes on (laughs) you only have a few days and we we beat monticello we did it and we just can't we can't live on that we need to get ready for just every week and take it week by week yeah jack where can this team get better at this point i mean 21 14 it's a pretty typical football score. Defensively, sounds pretty good. Offensively, you guys did a lot of good things. How can this team get better? I think defensively, we just have some things we can kind of polish up, some things that are not major issues but minor ones we can kind of perfect, and I think we'll be able to work that out as the season goes on too, is kind of working out the kinks, playing with each other more, and really getting that down. And offensively, it's very similar. I think it's just kind of adding in the little things, making sure everything is clean, making sure from the line to the receivers that everything just goes great and is clean. Aiden McCorkle, it just seems like with the St. Joe football program in the last few years, 
keeping people healthy has been a big issue. Like, you guys have had the horses, but keeping everybody on the field and, and intact has kind of been a, a big deal. Just how well, I don't know if well-trained is the right word, but just how, how, how good does this group feel physically right now? How much good work did you guys put in during the summer to make sure you can try to keep everybody on the field? Mm-hmm. We put in way more than I feel like we have in the past. In that first game, I know all of us felt way more conditioned than we did last year for sure. And we would come out every week and we'd have conditioning uh, like a couple of times every week and lifting. And we all put in as much effort as we could. Mm-hmm. And uh, Aiden Moberg, just uh, seeing what has happened under Sh- uh, Coach Skinner here. You're trying to get over that five-win hump in his, in his time here. And winning week one seems like a great way to start that. Tell me why you think this team has what it takes to, to at least get over that five-win hump this fall. Yeah, we we definitely did a really big thing in winning week one, but the main difference this year is, like, I feel like all of us three and multiple different people on the team have just developed a different leadership role, you could say. Like, we've all been taking charge. We've been getting the underclassmen to believe in this team, and I think that's the most important thing when you have everyone on board. It's just kind of hard for, for you guys not to have all that confidence in the world. Yeah. Colin took the question right out of my mouth, <laughs> but kind of piggybacking – off of that, I mean, you, you take down Monticello week one. I mean, that's a that's a great step towards getting over that hump and build some momentum. I mean, just how big of a relief is that to have that win against an Illini Prairie Conference Blue Blood out of the gates week one, make that statement. I mean, I've got to imagine, obviously, still focused on unity, still focused on, uh, you know, those, those goals that you have set out, but I've got to imagine that all three of you guys and all your teammates are breathing just a little bit easier and, you know, walking shoulders back just a little bit more this week. Uh, I mean, for us, we're trying to take it back, and we're trying to bring the same intensity that we did for Monticello, and we're trying not to relax as like as much as we can, and we want to keep it full pedal, uh, you know, pedal to the floor as much as we can, especially with Unity, and it's a home game in their arrival, and uh, we want to go pedal to the floor. I want to get from each one of you guys. We'll start down here with you, Aiden. Uh, just a, a key to the game. I want to. I want to ask each, all three of you, for a key to the game against Unity. What is something that you're really focusing on that you guys are really focusing on in order to come out successful in this game? Uh, just be technique, technique tough, and uh, just really focus on that and doing what you're supposed to. And each person doing their own individual role and sticking to that. Aiden Moberg. Uh, the biggest thing is obviously we can't be perfect all game so if something goes wrong none of us can hang our heads we just need to one play goes bad make sure to focus on the next play mm-hmm. and jack how about you i think the biggest thing from my perspective would probably be we just have to find a way to control the line of scrimmage that's the biggest thing that i'm worried about is the defense is that i think if we can do that we have a good chance at securing the win absolutely Aiden McCorkle, Aiden Moberg, and Jack Setterdahl, St. Joseph Ogden football team. You can catch them at Dick Duval Field on Friday at 7 p.m. against the Unity Rockets in what should be a really good game. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for making the trip over here again. Really appreciate it, and good luck on uh, Friday night. Yeah, thank, thank you. you. Absolutely. And uh, we just got a few more minutes here in the show. So uh, for these guys, probably didn't hear coming in. St. Joseph Ogden cracked our top 10 rankings this week that are going to appear in Thursday's paper, checking in at number 10 after their win over Monticello. We've got uh, four more teams to unveil here before we go off the air tonight. So we'll go ahead and knock it out real quick. 
Uh, our number four team is actually our number four and three teams are both out of the Illini Prairie Conference as well. One of them, number four, is Paxton Buckley Loda. Uh, PBL is one and zero, defeated Chillicothe in week one, and what was a really competitive game, a uh, twenty-eight to twenty against the Gray Ghosts. Uh, less familiar opponent for the Panthers in week two. They are going to bring Sparta to town for one of the six home games that the Panthers have been uh, fortunate enough to get this season. So PBL trying to improve to two and zero with a win over Sparta. And then at number three, we have the Prairie Central Hawks, who picked up a big win over Unity at home last week. Uh, obviously frustrating that Unity team that will now try to recover at St. Joe, but St. Joe has something to say about that with these three guys and the rest of the Spartans. As for Prairie Central, they are going to be heading over to Pontiac for week two in what uh, I, I've come to understand is a big rivalry game for Prairie Central. I didn't realize until kind of this uh, this year that Prairie Central and Pontiac kind of really don't like each other very much, <laughs> so I, I've learned that quite a bit uh, in recent months. And then our final two teams in the top ten this week. At number two, we have the Centennial Chargers. You heard from Coach Kyle Jackson early in the show. Centennial's at 1-0 and after a win over Proviso East and is going to host Peoria Manual this week. And our number one team, haven't really talked about them at all on this show yet, it's the Muhammad Seymour Bulldogs. Uh, Muhammad 1-0, and they racked up 51 points on Morton in week one, getting some revenge for their loss in the Class 5A quarterfinals last year. Uh, Muhammad Seymour going to have its annual Dogapalooza game on Friday night this week, hosting Effingham to start Apollo Conference play. And uh, Joey, 51-14 against Morton? Sounds pretty impressive, right? And I think that Morton team is going to wind up being pretty solid as the year goes along. That is a a terrific win, and there are a lot of great programs in our area right now, but Mm -hmm. I just don't know that any of them are that close to... Uh, taking that number one spot for Muhammad Seymour. They Man, you're going to motivate these St. Joe guys. They're still sitting right next oh, to you. They, they're you got all three here. football players in here. Well, yeah, <laughs> and, and it's true. That's true. They could all probably take me. but uh, um, And not that anyone won't get there, right? But, right. but Muhammad Seymour just brought so much back. Mm-hmm, and then right. you know that decisive week one win, I really like what I've seen from them so far. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, obviously this only takes into account 11-man teams. We do have some eight-man programs in the area, of course. Milford getting a big win in week one. And there's other teams in 11-man who are on the fence. I'm sure Iroquois West wants to get back into that top 10 spot. Oakwood, who Iroquois West is facing this week, uh, also has a claim maybe to a top 10 spot. And Monticello, after the loss to St. Joe, is going to want to fight back into the top 10 as well. Well, thank you all for joining us for the first week of the U of I ROTC Serve Pro Everybody Prep Football Confidential Radio Show. I've been Colin Likas with Joey Wright. Thank you so much to all of our guests for joining us this evening. And come on back this time next week for week two of the show.